0: Welcome to STEAM Powered, where I have conversations with women in STEAM to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Dr. Sabine Bird. Sabine has a PhD in Neurosciences in the area of Alzheimer's research and is passionate about STEM advocacy. She's also an endurance cyclist and holds the unconfirmed world record for most distance covered in a 24-hour period. Join us as we talk about STEM education and communication, Alzheimer's research, and endurance cycling. So thank you so much, Sabine, for joining me today on STEAM Powered. It is wonderful to have
1: you on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Oh, yes. Yeah, so excited.
0: So you've, you've had quite the journey. Um, so you started studying sciences in Cologne and along the way, you made your way to Perth and got your PhD in neurosciences. Yeah. So How did that happen?
1: So, yeah, as you said, um, I've always been interested in biological sciences in the first place. So I started studying biology with an emphasis on molecular um, aspects like genetics and neurophysiology and um, also some pharmacology to have a bit of a medical input. Um, I always liked the idea to understand what happens in the body and um, how we actually function. And um, long story short, I eventually ended up in Perth many years later, and I just pursued it as a big, big leap in between. But what happened in the meantime is that I am. Um In Europe, it is quite common to work alongside your studies, and um, we have a lot of opportunities where we can actually work for, for example, biotech companies as we study in our fields. So this is what I did. I studied um, biological sciences with a focus on molecular sciences, but at the same time, I worked for a biotech company for three years to increase my knowledge and to expand on, on skills and whatnot. So um, by the time um, I came to, towards the end of my studies, um, we had to finish off with a, a big laboratory project and I decided to take pack up my sciences and take that project over to Ireland um, to improve my English skills. At the same time, because all my studies up till that point were in German, which is not ideal for the scientific um, world, because the scientific <laughs> language is English after all. Yeah. Um, so after a few language barriers, I slowly got into the Irish world of speaking, <laughs> and which was very, uh, very entertaining in, in parts. Um, but I, yeah, finished my studies um, with a with a one year laboratory um, project in in Ireland. So yeah, that was a very very valuable um, experience, not just from a cultural point of view, but also simply from um, um, from from a lab experience point of view. Because the back then, the European countries were handling scientific processes a little bit different still, but um, it was just interesting to see how different laboratories worked.
0: So, when you were you know deciding to take your education overseas and traveling, what made you decide to go to Ireland versus you know any of the other opportunities that you could have?
1: It, it worked out that way, cause mainly because it had to be an English-speaking country. Um, ah. <laughs> I, didn't want to, uh, I wanted to go to a country where there was, um, English was a native language just to improve on my own skills because they were rather appalling um, at the start. And so this way I was forced to to improve on that skill at the same time as I had to do lab work. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that was the main reason. And also um, my now husband and boyfriend at the time, um, he was English-speaking, so it made just life so much easier. But it turned out it was really the right choice. Um, Ireland's a very nice country, very friendly and very approachable. And um, <laughs> so it's a, it was a fun way of learning science.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: And um, after that, oh, in between, um, I took a little <laughs> 10-month yeah, I suppose, which I kind of combined with my scientific work and I came to Australia um, just before I went to Ireland, actually, um, just to do a um, a semester here at the University of Western Australia, where I discovered a few subjects that I didn't have access to in, in Germany, um, oh. for example, um, um, which hasn't got much to do with molecular biology, more like um, the world of animals in Australia is very unique. Right. So I started studying a few little courses in there. Oh, nice. But that was just a little side project, I suppose. But at the end of the day, biological sciences incorporate so many different things and so much variety. And my interest is in, is so broad and and on all aspects of sciences that I thought it fit in anyway. So, yeah. It does. yeah. So, all together, my degree was quite an adventure, I must say. It was quite <laughs> a journey. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was um, pretty happy when it was finish because now I could actually work and earn some money with, with all the things that I've <laughs> learned. <laughs> yeah, that that's amazing.
0: Yeah, thank you. There's so many like great opportunities. Like I keep hearing about the way that um, the flexibility of education in Europe. And yes. you know, was was the working while you were studying, was that part of internships? Is it um, a cultural thing? Is it a course thing where they encourage um, working in your field
1: alongside your studies? Yeah, that's a pretty good point, actually. And um, that's certainly something that the Europeans are probably a bit ahead of us. Probably also due to the population density, there are just more opportunities. Um, for example, the region that I come from in Germany is called the ABC region. ABC stand is more of an, a biotech area. Um, the three letters just come from the different cities, um, starting with the letters but um, (laughs) it's a a, a biotech dense um, area that means they rely on the future they rely on students to come through and help them and ideally the students might even stay on if they enjoy it but the main thing is that they are provided with a skill set that is incredibly valuable and that makes the, the students over there incredibly valuable and that's not just for German students it's European students in general. Um, so internally, there's a lot of exchange programs amongst the different countries that are part of the European Union, and um, that, so that certainly progresses science at a, at a an eleva- elevated um, pace. Whereas over here, we have opportunities, but they are rather limited compared to the European continents or even the US. But um, the funding is also different, which is... Like, I, I don't, it is still possible to get valuable experience over here, but the, the more isolated we are, and particularly in Perth, we are very isolated. Yes. We struggle to keep companies here, biotech companies here, and um, make a success. So, that is certainly something to improve on in the future um, to, to provide students with, I guess, industry more opportunities. Experience. Yeah, and experience. It's simply industry to attract industry, um, and 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 this is the only way forward for the new generation to actually gain valuable experience that makes them that make them competitive for the international market. Yeah, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's happening across all of those sectors as well. I mean, yeah. we're also having issues with, you know, there's a lot of. I guess it wouldn't be as bad as brain drain, but the yeah. number of companies based in Perth or with offices or outposts in Perth for any kind of you know, high-level science or technology is quite limited. And yes. a lot of them have moved over east or internationally. So yes. it's, yeah, it's quite challenging for us to get those kinds of larger corporation, larger organisation opportunities.
1: Very true. Yes. It is. There is progress, which is good. Um, it is just very slow. Uh, but Perth has a lot to offer. It is just a matter of um, making it attractive for these companies and businesses or corporations really. But we're getting there slowly and steadily. Um, it heavily depends on, um, at the end of the day, it heavily depends also on the government and how supportive they are of science and uh, technology. And right now there appears to be a real boost for for that area and especially for women in science, but that's also a, um, a huge push internationally to provide more opportunities for women in science. And and I, I just want to point out this is actually the real push for women in science doesn't come from a feminist point of view or anything like this. I think um, we finally learned to understand that the more variety we have in thinking skills, which also implies variety in thinking skills coming from different genders and different right. perspectives and viewpoints, the more valuable we can make a whole society and and the the more variety we have, the more likely it is that we progress at a faster pace and um, which is not necessarily a bad thing um, and but given that we live in such a, a well technology evolving society and we we are heavily influenced by all sorts of technology that also means that we need more and more thinking skills more and more critical thinking more and more stem related thinking in order to actually deal with all that yeah definitely (laughs) no way out yeah so i guess like for women women need to find their place in stem way more than we we can see right now just to improve our own way of thinking at the end of the day yeah of course and i think i was just reading something the other day because
0: um Mm -hmm. yeah doing this show i'm starting to be a bit more exposed to the academic community than i used to be yeah and there were so many discussions where they were saying that you know because of how homogenous the academic field is the ways of thinking are more limited and they're finding mm. that people like in more diverse cultures and more diverse environments like women minority groups people in those back with those backgrounds are actually able to be more innovative and they're creating more uh, they're coming with more novel ideas than we have recently with mm. you know the current academic culture yeah so yeah Definitely, increasing or broadening the way that we can think, broadening yes. our opportunities and exposures, just really is going to advance us in so many ways.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 simply not that we um, that there is one gender with a higher intelligence or one gender that has a higher ability to deal with certain problems. It is yeah, literally just changing perspectives that That's that, right. that drives survival, I guess. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) And our society needs a little bit more um, less stagnation in the way we think, I suppose, and a bit more progressiveness. But it is it is quite exciting. If you if you see boys and girls play together in, in in with little where they actually have to solve problems, they work together really really well. And it's only when we start imposing those stereotypes onto them that all of a sudden the thinking shifts into their little gender categories. And then with that comes, um, maybe the, the, the belief that girls shouldn't be doing math or shouldn't be doing, or maybe they believe themselves that they're not so good at math, for example, or other, um, science fields. But at the end of the day, I think, um, I read a study not long ago is that girls feel much more encouraged to pursue science, um, areas at school, or even maybe a career, if they were encouraged all the way along. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe girls just need way more encouragement and way more little, um, you know, little moments of success um, where someone pats them on the shoulder and said, you can do this, and you're actually really good at it. Um, and they, they they appear to react to that sort of feedback much more than boys. So maybe maybe that's something that a school system could incorporate, I guess. Um, I'm not really a big fan of having um, schools where all boys and all girls schools, I do prefer it when they're mixed, but um, maybe in terms of STEM, it's not such a bad idea to um, give special encouragement to girls and maybe do split them apart. Um, it's yeah. just an idea that came to my mind, but um, I have no evidence for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just finding different ways of giving people the support that they need
0: to be able to thrive. Yeah. So for some of them, yeah, they would need a mixed environments. Some of them would feel more comfortable being amongst you know, other girls to be able to feel more secure in yeah. their development. So yeah, lots of different opportunities will just help make that happen.
1: No, it's it's true, and I, and I'm glad I'm glad to see that the government is actually putting an action plan together and is really trying hard right now to to push STEM uh, women in STEM, that is, or girls in STEM. Yeah, and I hope that I I can only think that it will be successful. <laughs> it's a Matter of time. Yeah, it's just a matter of time,
0: and yeah. you know, people are starting to get on board. People are coming with more ideas. It's yeah, it's just going to yeah. be just seeing how it all pans out.
1: Yeah, and I, and I do think that um, it would probably help if more opportunities were there in, in, in the country. I mean, we live in Australia now. It has a lot of advantages, but our disadvantage is that we simply disconnected from the rest of the world, like geographically speaking. And um, if we had ongoing programs in place that allowed students in general, not just girls, to just travel and interact with, with, with um, companies in the industry in general, I think that would be quite helpful. And I think that's another way of um, tackling the problem of women in STEM or lack of women in STEM. Yeah, definitely. Giving more of this op- industry opportunities because mm. a
0: lot of people as well, when they start to enter these fields, they don't necessarily see the potential in the futures. So yeah. it's like, oh, I'll only be able to become an academic or I'll only be able to do research. And being able to see industry applications and being able to apply these skills in all these other areas is just going to give them, I guess, more enthusiasm for wanting to approach these subjects.
1: That's true. So, yeah, I've been um, heavily involved in science promotion in the previous years during my studies. And um, the one thing I noticed is that the education system in terms of primary school and high school here is um, quite different to other countries I've experienced. Um, And it's still quite... um, there is not a very heavy focus on STEM-related fields, and I think that's certainly a good start there. But also, I feel that um, a lot of kids here um, that certain roles are imposed on them um, to have that they, they tend to have in private schools. They tend to have cooking classes, whereas the boys go to welding classes in very fancy. Um, private schools for example and i think that's quite an old-fashioned system which means that the people behind the curriculum might also stick to traditional values more and i think tradition is not always a good thing and it stagnates a whole society and especially when we talk stem and women in stem um we really need to change traditional thinking a little bit over time
0: (laughs) yeah I, i can definitely agree with that i mean it's been quite a while since i've been at school, yeah. but I attended a private school and we did have home economics classes. They, yeah. um, so at the lower school levels, you know, we, we had to take them. It was an, uh, there was a point in upper primary school where they asked, they got us to experience some of the other subjects in senior school so that we could decide what we wanted to study once we got there. Mm. Um, but home economics was a subject that you could do as a primary subject that you wanted to study. Yeah, and I remember thinking like three of my friends because we'd been watching a lot of American television. We're seeing all these <laughs> high school kids doing, you know, home ec, but also shop class. It's like, why don't we get shop class? <laughs> I would love to have shop class, and yeah, just being able to give people more choices in the kinds of exposure they have to these experiences. Yeah. That's just kind of that. That's just cool, and it's, it makes you more well-rounded.
1: And, and especially in a world like today, where um things change so rapidly, we need to think about changing curriculums a bit more quicker as well. I mean, I'm not involved with this, but it's certainly a, a good opportunity, I guess. Um, the, the, the Especially when we talk about Cybersecurity. it would be quite handy to have a whole class for students just to be aware of some basics. Um, And that makes much more sense than having home economics, because that's something they should really learn at school at the end of the day. (laughs) At home, I mean, at the end of the day. But but in terms of cyber awareness, and given that every child plays with the phone when they're three years old and upwards, um, or just uses a computer even in primary school, um, so I think that that would be a scientific area that Definitely. should be promoted much earlier. Or in general, I don't think any class, any school currently promotes that sort of subject.
0: Yeah, well, not not in a formal structure anyway. I know That's a few right. people who do work in yeah in communication areas where they are talking to children and adults who aren't that you know tech literate about cyber safety and online security and just general tech hygiene. So yeah, all of those things are so important given how ubiquitous technology is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel we, we went a little bit off off track for, for a moment. But <laughs> Sorry about but that. But it's still
0: very – no, that's fine. It's all very interesting. And it is the kind of things that we do need to talk about and it's the kind of things that, you know, we do need to think about when we're approaching, you know, where we're going to go with our lives, what we're going to do, the kinds of um, interests that we have and the fact that they all overlap. Like it's just a part of our society in yeah. so many ways
1: yes true so that's that's probably one thing um that that's quite important that doesn't come across very well with our young ones is if you ask someone to um what is science or what do you think science is they usually name for subjects which is chemistry physics biology and, and maths but they don't understand and no one explains it properly to them that this is just the the basic it's just the beginning platform exactly from from a whole range of of work areas in sciences that have, that are so different. We have Obviously, medicine is even part of it, and we've got social sciences, and we have like meteorology is completely different. And there are all these subjects emerging and popping up in every direction um, that just incorporate these four subjects. But it's not that someone becomes a physicist or a chemist um, that often. It's it's really just emerging of new industries. And it is. If we if we then explain to the kids that they just need to embrace th- these basic skills, and then from then on, maybe brand new areas can emerge that we don't even know of yet today so um, I've been trying to encourage um, high school students to, to embrace as many subjects as they can and widen their horizon as best as they can just to have the ability to think out outside the box and merge knowledge and and, and just to produce something completely new because it was a bit like in the 1980s. Um, there were no biotech companies or no proper ones anyway. And all of a sudden, there was a CEO for a biotech company. And this person said, I had no idea what that is. And, <laughs> and it's true. No one could prepare him for this position because it's just such a new area. And um, given that we now understand how critical it is to think outside the box and, and merge new, new knowledge and, and whatnot, um, We know exactly that there will be so many jobs in the near future that we have no clue of right now, or maybe just a faint idea. And we are the ones that have to prepare the new generation for these jobs, and we don't even know what they are. So, And I find it more and more crucially important as the years go by that that we need to emphasize STEM in, in the educational system so much more than what we do right now. And um, it doesn't matter whether we're we so distant or not. We have to put full thrust forward into um, promoting STEM on and, and all levels and take the home economics class out of school.
0: Well, maybe just try <laughs> to work them all in together. Like, you know, just, yeah. just give them more work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, cooking is a science too, mind you. <laughs> yes,
0: definitely. Yeah, okay. so speaking of, you know, not knowing, you know, where all of these subjects can lead us, like mm-hmm. even with my past guests, you know, there was someone who was saying, you know when they first started university stem cell research was so new and it's been 20 years now and yeah. you know look where we are now with what's available and what we can do with it um and someone was saying you know uh, in one of the comments when of, of the, for the video they said you know i'd love to see where stem cell research can take us you know one day it will save lives it's like, actually mm. it's saving lives now like all mm. of this stuff is now applied sciences it's not just theoretical anymore Yeah, And, you know, there are other people who, uh, other guests who have gone, well, the field that I'm in now, I didn't know existed when I was in high school. In high school, it was, oh, this is chemistry. You know, this is, you know, we understand sort of what geology is. But no, we can study meteorology on Mars, weather patterns that you Mm. see in space, all of these things. Like, because science is so broad, you know, one of the problems is you want people to understand the scope. But the problem is the scope is so large, where do you begin?
1: <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. So you kind of keep some order um there. Yeah, no, it's true. And um it's it's an enormous field and it's if it's not dominating the world right now, it will be next year. Um <laughs> you know, it's um science is in everything we do and it in everything we, we plan and in 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 simple terms, um if you simply to learn about critical thinking and and allow different viewpoints. I mean you can you can actually enter a debate thinking that you're right, but then yeah. <laughs> realizing that you're not just by finally learning to to see the same things from a different angle is a tremendous value and personality trait. And um, and just to have that as a background, it's worth worth studying it for. Um, so just I think our society has forgotten a little bit how to how to deal with criticism at times. Uh, what better field than science to to do in order to just revive these crucial traits that uh, make life a little bit more accessible and easier. (laughs) But yeah, I think that there's some crucial traits in sciences that are just worth having. Definitely. And I mean, what better field than science to let you learn all the ways that you're wrong? Yeah, exactly. I know. Uh, we, we get very humble after a few years, years <laughs> of understanding how the world works or trying to understand how the world works and then yeah. realising that um, it's a rather complex matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> More than just a little bit. Yeah, yes. So how did you go from biological sciences to, you know, it's not a big stretch, but how did you get from there to Alzheimer's research?
1: Yeah, so... um. My Basically, the background has always been in the laboratory, and the techniques that you use in the laboratory are pretty much applicable to any other area that uses lab experiments. Um, when I came here, I always had an interest in, in brain research, so part of my studies was in neurophysiology in animals, l- learning about the different nerves, nerve systems. Um, when I came to Australia, I had the opportunity to slide into Alzheimer's disease research, which was great because A, it dealt with humans, B, with human brains, and C, um, the interesting thing about it was that I was able to do laboratory work, but I shifted more and more towards I'm um, doing clinical work with people and I realized how much I actually enjoy working with people. So at some point I wasn't in the lab that much anymore at all. i mean, <laughs> was all about clinical studies or being involved with observational studies and with the recruitment of people and taking them through the studies and doing neuropsychological assessments. So it became more and more a completely different field of science to what I had initially planned for extend. Um, yeah. Like studied for, but it's, um, It's nice to see the broad spectrum from the isolated world of a laboratory where you work 12 hours a day and um, do one year of troubleshooting for one single experiment (laughs) and a lot of discussions and technical equipment checks and whatnot to the entire um, other end of the spectrum where you just deal with people um, nonstop and explain the basics and you change language as well because obviously the technical language changes, changes into layman's language. And so it was a tremendous experience um, that I definitely value highly. And so, yeah, that that's basically what happened. And I was very open to that, to that shift. So Alzheimer's disease obviously plays an important role here. And not only that you work with people now, you also work with a whole spectrum of people. So it's not just the 60 plus or 80 plus people that have it, but also their families and maybe their kids that are now in their 40s and might be worried that they will get it one day. So you work on studies where you can maybe um, help prevent the onset. So instead of just working with the disease in itself. So yeah, the, the, again, there's a huge, huge opportunity to work in different areas and, and, and prevention is a big deal. And when we talk about prevention we look at genetic markers, we look at lifestyle factors, we look at maybe blood markers and diseases that are associated with it. So it's not It's not so simple and straightforward. Talking about prevention, yeah. So again, um, a scientific field in itself, dementia or Alzheimer's research, and um, it's a whole world of science involved on all levels. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yes, I can imagine. Like,
0: yeah, just the breadth of scope just from what you just described, from you know the pure sciences down to you know sociology, psychology, and yeah, all the environmental factors too. Yes. See, I really enjoyed that. I must say. Yeah, that's amazing. So was, uh, did that lead into your PhD? Or was that part of your PhD? Like, which came first?
1: So no, it, it, I started working there. first, And then it led into the PhD. So again, I was, um, it, I was lucky in a way that I was able to do laboratory work from a PhD, but PhD, but also um, clinical work, uh, which made it difficult at times, because it was um, certainly a lot of work involved to in both. Also, because, the laboratory was 40 kilometers away from the clinical oh. site so, <laughs> but that's okay we got it all done in the end and it includes so many other areas as well just like statistics and large statistics and small scale statistics yeah um but for it's all learnable so it's not there's not a single scientist out there that's great at everything it yes. always has to be um a connection or and. Um, it's always a discussion amongst group members and every group member has a different um, field of, well, speciality, but also of a bit more skills on one side. And and really in science is all about um, letting other opinions join your own thinking or at least merge in with your own thinking. And that's what I really appreciate about, appreciate about science is, is just simply that quite often you get not corrected on your way of thinking, but you get enriched from different sides yes. and you can make much better decisions so when it really comes to show that how important it is is troubleshooting. So you have a problem of any sort, and just to have different people of different backgrounds, slightly different backgrounds and um, expertise, to come together and discuss that problem, it's, it's a tremendous experience. If you see that happening, um, how a problem gets solved just by that, um, it doesn't happen every day, I <laughs> Happens eventually. Yes, <laughs> and it's, it's it's good. So this is like proper collaborative work, and this is how how science works at the end of the day. Science only works in collaboration. It, there's never a single scientist. And and I guess that's a bit of a myth that a uh, lot you know, a lot of the young kids are still dealing with is they think of this one single genius of I don't know. They, they might watch um what's the show called again? I forgot now. Um, not Friends, but ah, oh, can't think of it right now. <laughs> Big you know, Bang Sheldon, Theory. Sheldon. Big and, Bang Theory. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Thank you. So, especially in that show, as funny as it is, but there are all these four or five little geniuses, and everyone has got their little niche of expertise. In the real world, you have people that are passionate about um, sciences, by all means, and you have the odd genius in there. But really, science works by having a lot of passionate people together, trying to understand and learn and eventually coming to a solution. And it's not that one single person that solves the world. It's not the one brainiac that um, solves all the issues in the world. Um, so I, th- that's a bit of a misunderstanding about how science works. Yes, and It's not and, and an really individual the, exercise. <laughs> exactly, not at all. It's, it's really it's a team sport by all means. And it's not um, <laughs> it, more, more than anything, really. And it's 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 not... It, it's interesting to see how, how a lot of kids don't want to do science because they're not good at that. Or they're not good at math, but they're good at physics, but they're not good at chemistry or good at biology. And so they say, no, I'm not good at all of them. But you don't need to. The main thing is that you have a passion, and sooner or later you get the basics of all the subjects necessary to, to be good in your field. So, um, and, and that's something that, that, people, that especially younger kids don't understand just yet, or teenagers. Passion is everything. It is curiosity.
0: definitely, yeah, definitely curiosity more than anything else.
1: Yes, <laughs> um, it's a very long-winded answer to the <laughs> to a point. Ah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was a good answer. <laughs> so, what did you like? What was your focus for your uh, PhD studies?
1: So, um, in in my particular case, um, I was looking at a at a, at a hormone that was. Discovered by um, Harvard University um, the year before I started the PhD, and um, basically we know that physical activity and exercise is good for the brain. This is old school rule, but we don't actually understand what happens. We don't know why we're saying that. We don't know why it is so good. So basically, we were investigating this hormone if that could be one of the missing links on a molecular basis. Um, That's the beta amyloids well it's irisin is your hormone but the amyloids are like the plaques that accumulate the protein that Ah. accumulates in in alzheimer's patients that 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 kills the cells so maybe if we have something like a hormone like irisin called irisin um maybe that's the one that can help improve the death rate of these nerve cells and maybe um maybe that's what happens so in exercise maybe that hormone gets elevated and then it has all these positive impacts on the brain it's it's a very simplified version of the problem, yeah. <laughs> Description of the problem, but it's um, basically at the end of the day, this is uh, what we are looking at. Um, that a lot more research is needed, as usual. Of course. <laughs> but um, interestingly, I, I saw an article not long ago that someone investigated this particular hormone, irisin, oh. in, in, re- in relation to um, COVID nineteen. And I thought, oh, I should have stayed with it. <laughs> oh, you should have stuck with it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's yeah, certainly more to come on that one. And, you know, it's are the, the, the first steps. Every time something new is discovered, it takes a few years to really figure out what it does and what it does to our body. Was, that was just one of the last facts.
0: Yeah, it was. Just, yeah, but it's still very interesting. And, I mean, with that hormone, like I, I saw some of your scholarly papers and, you know, they were about, activity and endurance and you know other things to either reduce the beta amyloid or i guess you know increase the rate of that hormone so because and we'll probably talk about this later about your cycling but how much of what you do in your recreational life if you can call endurance cycling recreational (laughs) um, um how much of the way that you know you had to your physical activity endurance the training how should that play into your research into the way activity and all that affects yeah. Alzheimer's? Yeah,
1: interesting question. I think it's more the other way around. So having constantly <laughs> deal with problems in in a scientific area, you need a lot of time to think, and maybe that's how the cycling started because. It could- a lot of alone time, um, especially mm. in, as you already mentioned, endurance mm. rides, um, to think about problems and solve. You know, that's when you solve the world's problems, really. But no, <laughs> I um, oh, look, um, the exercise, um, I, I, r- by regularly reading about um the the positive effects of exercise on brain health, um, it certainly uh, motivates me to keep going. <laughs> 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 um, I, we I mean, we do know that cycling is a pretty good sport. Uh, if you survive the traffic, that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because the interesting thing about this particular sport is that in um, if you think about it, you need to hold a balance on your bike. So holding a balance is a tremendous workout for the brain, for holding balance in general. general. At the same time, you need to look out for um, hazards and hurdles and traffic. So you're focusing on that as, at the same time as keeping the balance. And you need to know where you are, so you have the navigation system running in the brain as well. So there are just three tremendously energy-consuming um, activities happening in the brain. So. From that point alone, and plus you have your own thoughts and, and your energy um, metabolism is increased and whatnot. So there are so many things are happening right now that affect the brain just by riding a bike. I find it rather interesting to um, just focus on that as I ride my bike and I have all these pictures and imaginations um, of my nerve cells firing up in different areas of the brain depending on what I'm doing or whether I get a bit of a scare somewhere or hit a pothole or something by accident. So um, all these different areas of the brain are constantly activated. It certainly motivates me. Let's say it this way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that definitely is one way to get motivated to stay on a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
1: yeah, yeah it, it's definitely good. And I, I can't say that my cognition is impacted in a negative way just by riding <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Um, but in terms of endurance riding, I suppose it's probably a bit more detrimental. And um, the sleep deprivation doesn't help you. <laughs> Yes, okay, so pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, pros and cons. It's, a, it's good to have a hobby outside your job, though. I can yes, encourage you is. to do that.
0: So biomedical sciences, Alzheimer's, and you know, you've know, done a lot of traveling. What other kind of interesting work have you, you know, done? What other experiences have you had?
1: So sciences has taken me to quite a few places, and I quite like reading and staying up to date with uh, medical research, for example, as well, um, to a certain degree, that is. Uh, so I... I was able to, when I was volunteering for the Cancer Council, for example, for um, quite a few years, actually, in the beginning of my um, stay here in Australia, um, I was still able to, even though I was mainly working in the social support area, but if people had questions that were a little bit more specific, um, it was nice to have the background knowledge to help them along the way and say this is what happens when you go to chemotherapy or this is what happens to your body right now and this is what happens to the brain, this is where you forget things. So it was nice to, to get all that scientific knowledge um, that I had or even do my own research on certain questions and help them out. Bearing in mind that I'm not their doctor, but it, at least I was able to help them understand a few things along yeah, the
0: yeah. Being able to
1: translate
0: between the science and yeah, you know, what they'll need to know.
1: Yeah, that's right, and and it gives them a little bit more confidence and maybe some degree of contention to, to content satisfaction satisfaction <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to just knowing what's happening to them. So if you, if they're very curious and they wanted to understand what happens to their body, it was helpful to them. Um. Unless they shut down and didn't want to talk about it. But yeah, generally speaking, that that helped a fair bit. But even um, I have um, have a few social circles that um, might not be so scientifically um, relevant, but um, holding conversations, let's say, with um, business people or maybe the odd politician, it does help to have a bit more of a scientific background simply from 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 a perspective point of view, so you're automatically more prone to to um, understand their viewpoints and maybe think about different directions and viewpoints, and it simply makes a conversation a lot easier to have a little bit more critical thinking skills, I guess, without without being the ever skeptical person that is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess um, from that point of view, I, I So far, I've been tremendously happy with my choice to study sciences um, at school, but also especially at uni and and pursuing it further later on. So every bit of education that I got in sciences helped me forward in in many steps in in life. And I I really, I would never study anything else. And so I'm pretty pretty happy with what I've done there, even though I may not work in medical research for the rest of my life. it's 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 so easy to transfer these skills over to law, business, medicine, um, so many other areas. There there are a lot of jobs out there that people don't even think of when they study sciences. Not everyone plays exactly. in sciences, yeah. So there's in law they have patent lawyers, for example, or have the business, you know, running your own company. It, it, every every area out there is can easily be influenced and infiltrated. Um, with a science degree maybe not easily but it is possible
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah that's that's come up a lot too um so there's uh i think he was a chemist and he ended up beca- and after leaving academia he ended up uh working as an analyst at a bank
1: oh yeah so different.
0: transferring those skills um but yeah there's definitely quite a few options that people have said you know whether you stay in academia go into sciences there's so many different ways you can apply your skills and it doesn't yes. have to be in the pure sciences or in the pure industries that you're in.
1: Exactly. yeah, and i um I really like that idea just to be able to, to science is like a it's like a set of tools that you can easily pack up and you can a travel with it wherever you want to go. so you can study it everywhere. Everyone understands science in the same language. The laboratory experiments are the same. and um or you can pack it up and move fields all together, and you have a valuable set of tools already ready for the next um, career shift. Oh yeah, for eight shift. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like so many
0: opportunities available, depending on where you want to go.
1: Yeah, you're certainly not stuck with it. That's that's for sure. It's just too broad that area. So, yeah, it's incredibly worth it.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> cool. So we might work on go on to some of those other questions. What hobby or interests do you have? That's most unrelated to your field of work, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as we mentioned earlier on, there is um, cycling already, so yes. I, I do love cycling. I do like sports in general, which um is nice. Uh, I guess that would be something that is most away from sciences. Um, I do like long distance riding as well, clears the mind for a while until nightfall comes. <laughs> it's not secure so yeah. anymore, but yeah, I guess that's probably the the most important hobby. I do I do like an awful lot of things, I must say, uh, uh, that are outside of the world of science. Um, I like cultural experiences just as much, and I'm a big fan of the outdoors. I like camping and just getting out there and just enjoy standing in a forest and one of those meadows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just embracing the trees.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do actually. <laughs> yes, I do I do like trees a lot. Someone actually gave me a book on trees once. <laughs> It was oh, a joke nice. at the time, but it was—it <laughs> was pretty fitting. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, and there's a lot of science in trees as well, by the way. Um, especially when you look at um how they communicate with um amongst each other using their root system. Uh, th- th- there was an article a few years ago um by the New Scientist, and they were basically saying the five senses of trees, and that was incredible. Um so there's science everywhere, wherever we go. And you appreciate nature a lot more if you have a little bit of background knowledge about how things work. It doesn't have to be deep deep understanding, but it's it, it certainly fuels the imagination if you have to solve problems that you have no clue about, like the universe. Yeah. It adds to the magic. <laughs> yeah, and it it, it certainly um, provides you some creativity and some ideas. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, endurance cycling, how did you get into that? I do I can't remember, quite frankly, I can't remember but I've always been that person that um, that sees a corner at the end of a road and I need to know what's behind it. And then when you get around the corner and you see another one, you said, oh, yeah, I go there and then I look what's behind there. So basically, and that's what I do all day long until um, I run out of steam. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess cycling was just very fitting there because you just keep going just for another, another hour on another 30 Ks or something, or <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it just kept going. And I really enjoy the process of it. So it's not so much about getting to the final goal with cycling is for me. Anyway, it's about the whole movement. And I enjoy, I just enjoy just doing, doing the activity of cycling, just how I started doing it. So I, I, I do remember in one of your earlier podcasts, you had Beck Whedon on and um, she also is a cyclist, but a very different one. She likes to get to the finish line as quickly as possible. I'm <laughs> incredibly successful at that, and um, in, in competition. Whereas I'm a little bit of the opposite. I take my time, and I, I even watch the scenery in races. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's just different styles.
0: It is different styles, but mm.
1: you know, yeah, you
0: know, you've, you've achieved so much with endurance cycling, though. Like you, you. you know, Unconfirmed record for the twenty-four hour road race in Bastleton. That's what seven hundred and something kilometres in the 30, year. Yeah, yeah so, and that's in twenty-four hours. That's nuts.
1: Yeah, that's something that I got into. Um, I've I've done a few twenty-four hour races in the meantime, and a few long-distance races as well, and uh, multi days. But it's a um, yeah, it's an interesting one, definitely. Um, I, I I do not have any idea anymore how it all started but i realized i was good at it and i just kept at it and i think it's the the pain management Um, so after a while you get a lot of pain and you feel pain and then you start thinking about what pain actually is and then you start thinking about oh can i control it because technically it's only what the brain tells you but the brain tells you things much earlier than is really necessary and then you try and you know, set new boundaries, and, and maybe you push them just to see how you react. And, and it becomes an, all, an awful lot of experimenting. And it's really just a science study in itself. And then you just keep going and going and going and try and understand what the body does right now. And I think, I think I'm just so busy thinking about these things that I forget to give up. So people <laughs> like, like flies, whereas I'm still busy thinking about what's going on. <laughs> and that's how I just uh. keep going all the time. But it's it's a tremendous experience, um, experience for sure. Not just an experiment. It's also an experience. <laughs> um, just to understand the body, what it does, and just to push limits is interesting Interesting to feel alone. It's it's good. Yeah. But, Such yeah, um, there's certainly more in the pipeline in the near future and trying to make it all a little bit more confirmed and whatnot. So we see what the future holds in that regard. Oh,
0: yes, definitely, especially mm. after the Race Across America last year as well
1: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I uh, oh. didn't know that was that well one on but yeah it's um that was a tough one indeed I haven't got that many memories <laughs> and my oh, uh, brain was shutting down It <laughs> uh, it's was, it was just very tough um, you just you ride for for days and days and days without any sleep and I think I got um, a, an accumulated three hours of sleep in six days or something oh so goodness. it was a it was a tough one it's um certainly um quite quite a push for the body Oh my goodness! Like
0: I, I don't remember the exact details, and I'm probably making it up now. But there was a, um, apparently in the SAS handbook or something, something like that. They were talking about how there's this only a certain amount of sleep that you can do without, before you will basically shoot at anything that moves. And I'm thinking three hours over six days probably breaches yeah. that threshold.
1: <laughs> It definitely does. And um, in, in talking about the SAS handbook, I believe it is officially a sign of torture if you get that little sleep, and so if someone <laughs> else forces you to do it, it's officially against human rights laws. <laughs> but oh
0: my goodness, it doesn't count when it's masochism. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I wasn't aggressive though, I know that for sure. I was pretty um, pretty mellow for the entire time. I was probably too sleepy anyway. <laughs> no. Oh wow. But um I do remember I had um a couple of great hallucinations, but they always involved animals. And um Hallucinations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like gritter here and there, a little monkey. Um yeah, and, and and you see animals a lot you, you know how you have the delusions where there's maybe a letterbox in the far distance and you think yeah. it's know, a monkey or a horse or something so um, yeah our brain plays an awful lot of tricks and our brain is fascinating as if yes. you know a little bit more about it and to put it under so much stress that it gives you such false readings is, is pretty exciting it's actually quite interesting
0: <laughs> exciting to some <laughs> nerve no wracking yeah. for others
1: yeah, there's certainly there's certainly a lot of science in in endurance cycling that's for sure. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. So how how long did it take to train for something like the Race Across America?
1: Uh look, I th- th- I don't think there's ever a point when you're ready for it. You just go for it. Uh you you need to do a fair bit of training in- body um, adjusts only over time so ideally in, in, in ultra endurance cycling you want to be um, you want to be in the scene for a good 10 years before the body is really used to these things um, and adapted accordingly the immune system is always an issue and um, fluid retention issues especially in women um, is a problem so uh, hormonal imbalances, there's a, a lot of things that the body has to adapt to very slowly but again medical science is a big deal in, in, in races like that
0: of course, And I
1: just make use of a little bit of research and knowledge and hope that will fix problems in the future. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's amazing. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we're trying to make it exciting. <laughs> I guess you only have that one life, right? You might as well try and use it to the fullest and to the best you can. Yes. To the best of society anyway, somehow. Oh, wow, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. So are you still training for your next endurance?
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, trying to... To get a fit again, I've uh, doing COVID times. I've I've ridden my bike, but it wasn't anything overly strenuous. So um, yep. just ticking away nicely and trying to get ready for the next year and see what next year brings. Yep, definitely. Wow, brilliant,
0: <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how you go with that. Thank
1: you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've got a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course we see it look there's a lot of great people out there look the 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 more intense your work is i always reckon the more intense your passion is for a hobby outside the work it's i think maybe that's what science does does to you you do everything to an extreme nothing is just moderate (laughs) that does seem to be a trend (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think there are a lot of people out there that um, take their job very seriously and very full on. And then their, their, their work-life balance, as long as they have one, is just equally insane. I know a lot of examples like that. Must be um, the work pressure. Yeah. Just oh,
0: passion everywhere,
1: basically. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> just a passion.
0: Yes. Okay. And so which childhood book holds
1: the strongest memories for you? I cannot answer this question at all. I used to read a lot of books when I was younger, and I do remember that all of my primary school books, I'm pretty sure all of them without exception dealt with an awful lot of animals. And I do remember there's a – I don't know the the English title of the book, but it was – I'm pretty sure you know the stories about all the animals in the woods and then the woods were uh, under threat by humans and so they had to leave and um, get a new home. But basically what I found interesting about that particular book was, is that you've got all these different animals and I never understood how they communicated with each other because <laughs> I just never You're got that animals. story. <laughs> but anyway, I was too young for that to understand. But, but what it really did over the years to come, and I only just realized it not that long ago, is that um, – I always figured that they they have their own little lives and their own little perspectives, and they actually they they often came with their own little viewpoints. And in hindsight, I think that may have been a bit of a trigger to constantly try and look through someone else's eyes how they um, perceive an issue or see a problem. And and I I would pr- probably even say that that was one of those books that that made me learn how to get different viewpoints and how to see things from different angles. Because um, if there's a fire, then a fox and a rabbit react differently and and and, 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 and all these things. So I, I always try and see things through other people's eyes. And I definitely started off with the animals. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so that's what, was what it the...
0: is. Yes. So what was the title of that in German?
1: Uh, well, I'm not sure if it's worth saying it in German right now, but it translates to when the animals left the forest. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a thick, thick, chunky one.
0: Wow. Um, nice. Uh, Sounds like a good one in any case.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially if like it
0: prompted that kind of thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it definitely does. Uh, but then I've always been interested in, in, in looking through other people's eyes. Even when I was a teenager, a good friend of mine and I, we always went to the coffee shop and we always sat by the window. And as you see someone walking past, you try to imagine what his or her eyes are seeing right now as they're walking past. And, and see what their day was like and what they might be thinking of. And just to create the stories. And I think to to nurture this kind of creativity is kind of important in in sciences, so not just in kids, but um, just in, in, in every person. And we tend to lose that. and And just trying to see different viewpoints, maybe that's the last remnant of um, of this activity that we used to have when we were all younger. Yeah, definitely, just mm. be
0: able to think outside the box and just visualize yeah. and imagine other perspectives.
1: Yes, yeah, and, and it's actually great fun. You just come up with random stories for yourself and you'll never, you never find out whether they were true or not, but it was, it was yeah. a fun The fun's fun in the fight. speculation. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we're good at that, at least, and humans. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Mm. Okay. And lastly, what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do or what advice should they ignore?
1: <laughs> okay so um that's a good question it's always difficult to answer questions like this but as I said earlier on I think one of the the the, the biggest things is to stay as open-minded as you possibly can and even if if students are still at school to just embrace all the different subjects as best as they can. Um, at the end of the day they're, they're all of value to some degree or the other even though it might not be that obvious right now. I mean even English class might be um, very valuable later on just to, to experience the creativity in the stories or poems or whatever is being discussed um, or even just allow for different viewpoints just to accept and just be open-minded to criticism because at the end of the day if it's constructive criticism that's who that's what shapes you at the end of the day and you're turning into a human being that is based on this constructive criticism and it's it's really not a bad thing whatsoever and it's um, it shouldn't be soul crushing uh, and i think just to learn to deal with that and to learn with to to be criticized is is a tremendous trait to have that will only be a positive um Later on, but yeah, in terms of what I do, back to that question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so not only embrace good advice <laughs> on different subjects, but also if you want to um, study um, and get into dementia research, for example, or neuro neurosciences in general. So my PhD, at the end of the day, was in neurosciences. Um, it's it's they they're very. Um, very good universities out there that that let you have it but at the end of the day you don't have to be an A1 student to to get into this just have the passion get into it sometimes it's there are different ways of getting to to these jobs and um, some people don't even finish high school and somehow they end up in these miraculously higher positions in the world of sciences and for good reason because they're smart and they're you don't need to be a genius but they're passionate about it and and it's to show. So just be embracing of whatever you can and take opportunities. There are so many opportunities and we probably miss 80% of them but just just be brave and just try and take risks. That, that's probably one thing that um, I've done a lot is I made a lot of mistakes, mind you. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't really regret any of them because uh, we we are we live in such a risk-averse society these days. Everything mm, has and a decision of policy and whatnot, which is fine to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, it kind of impacts how we live our, live our lives as well. And we don't tend to take risks anymore. Everything's a set plan. Like you finish school and then you have to go to uni or to TAFE at least. Or and then you have to, have a job and a family and there's no room for traveling there's no room for a gap year maybe for some there is but not necessarily and even in that gap year the students still work at least and it's good to get work experience mind you it's nothing wrong with it but it's, a, it's kind of important that they develop and make mistakes and learn and and i i know we we live in a world where we shelter our kids a lot and obviously that's important but it's much more important i think to to explain to them they experience aunts life aunts. Yes, and make their own decisions and learn to stand up for themselves and say no if they have to say no. So that is valuable, valuable um, lessons. And I learned plenty of them, and I'm grateful for them. And uh, Just take a a risk here and there.
0: Yes. Not not a stupid one.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you don't have to know what the outcome
0: is before you decide to do something.
1: No, that's true. And uh, there, yeah. So it's 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 yeah, there are many ways of getting to your job in the end. And maybe it's not within three or four years. Maybe it's in ten years' time. But um, they there are reasons. There are always lessons to be learned in between if things don't work out the straightest way. So the last thing that the, the very last thing that life is about is it's not it's never a straight line. There's always a zigzag line, and sometimes you have to go backwards for five steps in order to make. One step forward into the right direction or what what is right for you and definitely happens to everyone like we get knocked down on so many occasions and and and, and that's good it's not a bad thing no it's not feels
0: resilience
1: (laughs) feel like i just gave you a prayer (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: well it is well it's a positive affirmation
1: like you you just gotta take chances see where things go keep your mind open yeah if you really want to go for what you want to do, you have to take chances at all times and you have to be prepared to, to um, miss out on opportunities sometimes, but at least you tried. Exactly.
0: And you have to be mm. prepared to fail sometimes as well.
1: Oh, yeah. It will happen. There's no way yeah. out.
0: <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Well, yeah. A brilliant advice. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Good to keep in mind.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Sabine, for speaking with me today. It has yeah. been very interesting conversation <laughs> it was all little segues it's been fantastic definitely so much to think about so if people would like to learn more about you and what you do where can they find out
1: uh, first of all thank you um yeah i'm more than happy to um leave um i can be contact contactable um through you by all means but now people are more than welcome to message me um or email me and i'm happy to leave um my my um address in in the notes in the show notes Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, thanks again. It's been wonderful
0: and I hope you have an amazing day.
1: Thank you very much. You too. <laughs> I you really enjoyed it. Thanks to
0: you. Yes, I did. Thanks. Sabine's passion for STEM fields is evident and it has been fascinating to learn more about the approaches different countries take towards education and training. It's so important to give the next generation support to teach them critical thinking skills and provide opportunities to broaden experiences. All these things will allow them to fully explore not just the direct and indirect opportunities available in these fields, but also their own potential. To learn more about Spin and what we discuss on this show, or to connect with us, please visit the Steampowered website at steampoweredshow.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, please let me know. Subscribe to this channel, leave a comment below, and share this with your geeky and geek curious friends. You can also support Steam Powered on Patreon and Ko-fi under Steam Powered Show, the links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for watching!